I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Welcome into the Crimson Corner Podcast. It's powered by KSLSports.com. I'm your host and Utes insider, Trevor Allen, and I have a special edition of the podcast today. We are introducing a new podcast on the KSLSports.com podcast network. This one is for all of the Ute fans out there to enjoy, and this dives deeper into the guys that played at the University of Utah and now have moved on to the NFL. We go to our locals in the NFL insider and the host of the Yards After College podcast, Kyle Ireland. Kyle, how are you, man? Hey, Trevor. Happy to be on the Crimson Corner. I think the first time? I don't know. Second time maybe that I've been on? It uh, may be ha- your second time. Uh, I, I can't remember. You know, the pandemic, everything that's happened in the last six months, it's made my brain a little fo- foggy and fuzzy from last fall. But uh, happy to be on and talk some uh, Utes and the pros with you. Yeah, and there's a lot of them to talk about. We're obviously not going to dive into all of them because that would take probably an hour or two to go through. But uh, just initially, just talking about, you know, how many guys are on there. We obviously saw a lot of them land on uh, training camp rosters. And then once they had to cut down the roster down to 53 players, there was a lot of guys who got cut. And then there were guys who landed on practice squads and there's still guys who are free agents. So there's a lot of things out there right now. But I want to start with the guys who are going to be rookies going into their first season. We'll start with Zach Moss. He's a guy with Buffalo who I feel like could potentially take over in a matter of weeks, maybe a year, to be that number one running back in Buffalo. What are your overall thoughts, just looking you know, from, from your point of view, on what Zach can do for Buffalo heading into year one? Yeah, I mean, I think he's in a good spot in Buffalo. For instance, you've got the uh, the New England Patriots, who you know supposedly won't be the power that they were in that division, and you've got Josh Allen, who really came in into his own last season. Uh, I think that Buffalo is in a good spot, and I think that Zach Moss has a great chance to be you know the go to guy for Buffalo and build that young core that they have. They just added Stephon Diggs at wide receiver. Um, so there's a lot of talent around Josh Allen now with Zach Moss in the backfield. And I think that, you know, you saw the consistency and productivity that Zach Moss had 
at the University of Utah throughout his career there, obviously leaving Utah as the all-time leading rusher. But, you know, especially last season, I think back to that opening game against BYU where, you know, there was nothing flashy from the Utes. They just really just went ground pound with Zach Moss and, uh, you know, played pretty vanilla, uh, so to speak, against BYU. And Zach Moss was that, you know, go-to guy for the Utah offense because when they were able to open things up with the run game, it just made things so much more, um, you know, simple for Tyler Huntley. He obviously had a great year last year, but I think that a lot of the credit was because of Zach Moss, goes to Zach Moss because he made everything open up for the Utah offense. And I think that he has the potential to do the same thing for Josh Allen and the Buffalo wide receivers helping, you know, when you have a go-to back in the NFL that you can just expect to, you know, be a three, three down back for you, like Zach Moss has the capability of doing for Buffalo. I think that that's such, such a luxury. And I think that he could potentially be a thousand yard rusher, you know, 10, 12 touchdowns as a rookie season. I think that he's, you know, potentially going to be up for rookie offensive rookie of the year when it's all said and done. I think a lot of you fans out there would definitely take that and, and like that because seeing Zach Moss of what he did here at Utah, he's obviously the all-time leading rusher. Um, but I think that that was a really good spot because, you know, you and I were kind of going back and forth throughout, you know, leading up to that draft. And there was a couple of prime spots for him. I thought L.A. would, would be a really good spot to play for the Rams because they obviously did not keep Todd Gurley and they, they had an opening. But I think that that works well for him in Buffalo. It's just right now he, he's kind of in a, a weird spot because the last time he's had to really compete for a job was early on in college. Yeah, I mean, I think that his kind of leadership, uh, you know, as a senior at Utah, you know, even as an upperclassman, really was just relied upon heavily. And that Buffalo team, like I mentioned before, you know, there's a lot of young talent around there. And having a guy like Zach Moss, just the way he carries himself, his personality, and and to go along with the talent that he has, I, I just think that he has so much potential to be a still of this 2020 NFL draft and a good spot for him in Buffalo. Um, I, I honestly just – I expect big things from him in his rookie season. I think that he's going to be up there with, you know, the likes of Joe Burrow. And I, I'm picking – you know, Tua Tagovailoa is my rookie of the year. Um, I, I mentioned that on the, the latest episode of the Yards After College podcast, but um, I, I think that Zach Moss is going to be that conversation. You know, he, he's up there with some of the top guys that came out of college football last season. Now, moving on to uh, a guy who has a really good story, um, was picked higher than we all thought he would, and that's Julian Blackman. He suffered that uh, really bad injury in the Pac-12 championship game, and he's already – now able to practice that the Colts activated him. What can he do for the Colts in year one? Or is this going to be something where we, we probably aren't going to see him make as big of an impact until year number two? Yeah. I mean, I don't expect him to come off of this injury and, and just wow people. I think that the Colts are going to be cautious with him because of where they took him in the draft. They expect him to be part of their future for years to come. And so I would expect the Colts to slowly work him into the rotation not to say that he won't play, you know, early in the season. I just think that his reps are going to be limited because they want to be careful with him coming off of that knee injury. But, you know, the interesting part about Julian and where he landed with the Colts is right now he's sitting on the on the three deep, uh, you know, sitting third string with the Colts on defense at free safety. But 
I expect that to change pretty rapidly because there was talk after Julian Blackman was selected by the Colts in the 2020 draft that they could move on potentially either in the middle of the season um, or, you know, with, with free agency next year, uh, they're starting free safety. Malik Hooker is going into a contract year, I believe. And so there, there were some talks about potentially moving on from him. And, and I think that bodes well for what the Colts believe Julian Blackman can be for them, you know, in their secondary for the future. And uh, so I would expect them to be cautious with him, but I do think that he'll have, you know, some, some flashy moments this season. I expect him by the middle of the season to, to be on the field and, you know, be part of their rotation, whether or not he's starting games this season is yet to be determined. But I think that, you know, because they think so highly of him and they want him to be part of their long-term future, they're going to be pretty safe with him this season. Moving over to Jalen Johnson, he's a guy that was was taken later than we all thought, and and frankly, Jalen even thought so too. We we thought he was probably a early first, or a, excuse me, a late first, early second round pick, and ended up going towards towards the end of the second round, going going to the Chicago Bears. But he's now set up now where he's going to be starting uh, at, at one of the corner spots, I believe, at left corner, coming up in Week One against the Lions. I mean, is that something you uh, saw coming in? Is that he could start right away? You know, I I don't think that it was that I thought he could start right away just based off of the personnel that the Bears already had in place. But due to injury, he's now in that spotlight, right? And so I think that his talent level is always at that has always been at that level, you know, even back to last year where we were talking. I mean, me and you last fall watching the Utes play and watching, you know, Jalen out there on the field, we were talking about him being that first round pick like you know, he, he kind of thought he was going to be as well. So his, his talent hasn't ever been the question. It's just, you know, that opportunity to be able to get out there on the field and play. I think that, you know, what, some of the comments that have coming out have been coming out of Chicago from Bears head coach Matt Nagy about Jalen and, you know, what they think of him. Uh, they think that he's going to be able to make some plays for the Bears this fall. And I think that, you know, by having this early opportunity – while there is pressure having that spotlight on him as a rookie, I think that he's, you know, the kind of guy that has the talent to live up to that potential to be able to be the guy that the Bears expect him to be at corner. So I would expect to, you know, see him, you know, obviously make some mistakes early on just because he wasn't really expected to be that starter for the Bears this early in his career. But as he kind of works through those, you know, learning experiences, I expect Chicago to really rely on him. You know, we, we saw what he was able to do at Utah, and I expect a lot of those things to, you know, reflect into what he's able to do for Chicago this season as, as well. Someone who has a really good story, um, and a lot of it comes from that video that was put out on, on, on social media, and it really w- made the rounds on Twitter, was uh, Terrell Burgess. And it was that video of him getting the call from the Rams saying that, that they were going to take him in that third round. And um, he's a guy that the Rams have really raved about, especially during camp. Is he a guy – is he kind of in the same boat? I mean, I know he hasn't had an injury the way Julian Blackman is, but is he in kind of the same boat where they're going to kind of ease him into getting reps? Or or is, or, or do you think he's going to have a major impact on that defense for the Rams? I think that he's an interesting player for the Rams as well because, you know, you look at where he was at Utah and kind of really coming on strong late in his career. Um, he's still kind of a little bit of an unknown, I would say, for a lot of the NFL and I think that they, they almost, you know, took a flyer on him, uh, you know, where he landed in the draft as far as, you know, production versus talent. I think a lot of what Terrell Burgess is, is 
raw potential and talent. I, and I think that the Rams think a lot of him and are going to try and work him into being that potential uh, strong safety for them in years to come. I don't know if he's going to be the guy that takes over by the end of the season and is their starter, but I think that he's in line like a guy like Julian Blackman where, you know, he's a long-term play for them. He's a, he's a key piece to what the Rams see in their defense, you know, two, three years down the line, more so than this 2020 season. And, and you get that with the rookies, right? I mean, you don't expect these rookies to necessarily step in unless you're, you know, like a guy like Joe Burrow for the Bengals, who's obviously their starting quarterback, right? But, you know, Terrell Burgess is in a spot where I think he has a soft landing spot with the Rams. He's going to be able to see the field. He's going to be able to see some time. But he's got a lot of talent around him as well. It's just whether, you know, he's going to be able to make that jump, you know, in his first year or if it's, you know, with another offseason to, to be able to, you know, take over and kind of be that guy for, for the Rams' future, um, so to speak. I think the L.A. is an interesting team because, you know, you saw what they did two years ago where they were in the Super Bowl and then last year missing the playoffs barely. I think that there's going to be a little bit of a spotlight on that organization moving into a new stadium. I'll be, you know, with the pandemic and, you know, fans, you know, the experience not being the same for, for this NFL season, but I think that it's a good spot for Terrell. I think that, you know, the opportunities are going to be there for him. It's just a matter of him showing his talent and living up to that potential that the Rams see in him. A guy who has had a really good camp uh, and and was a a fourth-round pick for the Cardinals, that is Lecky Fotu. He's a guy who, you know, at least heading into camp, um, I I was kind of looking at their their depth chart, and it seemed like he was kind of going to be that uh, backup tackle, but it it sounds like he's probably going to at least get some reps, probably not going to be starting, but it sounds like he's a guy who's probably going to come in and already going to get some uh, reps as a rookie. Yeah, I mean, Lecky – he was just such a beast in college, right? And yeah. I think that, you know, for for the NFL to be able to have a guy that's as violent of a player as Leckie is, you know, he, he's not going to have to come in and start. They've got Zach, Zach Allen, who's who's their starter right now. But, you know, they've, they've got some interesting pieces around him because you've obviously got another youth there. You've got Kylie Fitz, uh, at linebacker. You've got They've got a new uh, first-round pick, Isaiah Simmons, out of Clemson at linebacker. You know, they've got some pretty young talent in that Cardinals uh, defense that Lecky Fotu, he's he's not going to necessarily have to step in and just be that, you know, freak of a defender that he was for the University of Utah where he was just wrecking havoc. But I think that as he, you know, kind of learns from some of the, the veteran guys around him, um, you know, with that young group of talent also there, it's it's a nice mix for him and I think that that young talent you know they've also got a lot of young talent on the offensive side of things and you know a second year head coach I wouldn't expect the Cardinals to you know make a run for the division this season you still got the 49ers you got the Seahawks I think the Rams are still going to be tough but Lucky Fotu's in a nice spot where I think that it bodes well for the longevity of his career. Whereas, you know, some of these other guys are going to be worked in more quickly. He's going to be a guy who's not expected to do a ton his rookie year initially while he's still able to get some of that playing time. Like you said, the uh, final rookie that I, I want to talk about for the Utes um, heading into their first season in the national football league is Bradley and I in the Dallas Cowboys. He's a guy who obviously we all thought he was going to be a fourth round pick potentially third, but ended up going like, I think it was the last pick of the fifth round, if not second to last pick, but he's a guy who is going into a, a team who has a new coaching staff. 
Um, and they've also been signing some guys through free agency for, for that defensive line, which has kind of put Bradley in a little bit of, of a different position. What do, you, what do you see Bradley's, you know, ceiling heading into his first season? I know his future's bright, but just as a rookie heading into playing for the Dallas Cowboys, where is his ceiling? Yeah, I think that he's going to have an opportunity to, you know, one, he's going to have a chip on his shoulder because of where he fell in the draft. Like you said, I mean, me and you, we were sitting there covering that that draft. I, I remember, you know, chatting back and forth with you, and we were just amazed that he was still, you know, falling and falling and falling, and somebody was going to get him, and it was going to be a still of a pick because, you know, we saw what he was able to do at the University of Utah. He's going to be able to to do those same things in the NFL. But the fact that he was drafted to the Cowboys and they have DeMarcus Lawrence there, they've got Everson Griffin now who they signed just recently. You know, he's got some guys, some Pro Bowl guys in front of him where he's not going to be expected to, you know, make a significant contribution to this Cowboys front this first season. But because of those deals, you know, like the Everson Griffin signing, Whereas a short-term deal, he's not expected to be there long-term. The Cowboys are making a play to, you know, I, I, I actually picked them um, while Sam Farnsworth and I were on this latest episode of the Yards After College podcast. We made some picks on, you know, NFL, MVP, uh, Super Bowl picks, those types of things. I projected the Cowboys to make the Super Bowl this season. And I think it's because of signings like Everson Griffin. So, you know, by having that veteran talent around him, is going to limit his playing time, Bradley and I, uh, this first rookie season. I think it bodes well for his long-term future because he's able to learn learn from some guys that, you know, a lot of rookies that get thrown in and have to start initially, it's hard for them unless they just live up to that hype and that potential immediately to, you know, really just grow into that position. Um, you know, he's going to be able to sit back and learn from some veteran leadership, have guys that have, you know, been there, done that, made Pro Bowls, and uh, be able to, you know, learn the the Cowboys' new system with Mike McCarthy coming in, first-year head coach. You've got Mike Nolan, their defensive coordinator. Um, I think that it's a good landing spot for Bradley. I just – I wouldn't expect a ton from him if I'm a Utah fan watching the Cowboys this season. But I think that, you know, by the end of the season, you'll see him get some playing time. Some reps are going to come this season on the field. I just think that it's a long-term play with him for the Cowboys. When uh, Saturday rolled around and teams had, had to trim their roster from their training camp roster down to their active roster, were you shocked to see Tyler Huntley getting cut or, or, or were you shocked that he even made the uh, practice squad for the Baltimore Ravens? I wasn't shocked that he made the practice squad because, you know, we've seen some stuff come out of Baltimore's camp that they really liked Huntley. Um, it's interesting because they've got some similar players. I feel like, I feel like, you know, you've got quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson, obviously the MVP last season, but you've got RG3 there as their second string. Tyler Huntley kind of fits into that mold. I'm not saying that he's Lamar Jackson or even RG3. We're talking about a couple Heisman Trophy winners there, right? But you saw, you know, his mobility, but also his accuracy in college, especially as a senior. And so I think that Baltimore, you know, as an, organiza as an organization, they really like Tyler Huntley. Um, but they haven't been an organization that's kept more than two quarterbacks the last couple of seasons um, traditionally. And so by, you know, having Trace McSorley there as their third string guy, it didn't shock me that he was 
cut on Saturday, but I wasn't surprised at all that he made the practice squad because I think they really like him. And I think that he's going to be one of those guys that will grow into being a 53 man guy potentially next season or, you know, with injury or anything like that, there's not no telling that he couldn't make a 53 man roster this season for the Baltimore Ravens as well. I'm going to name off three former Utes. Um, obviously they're all in, they, they all play different spots out on the field. They're all also at different points in their career. But um, as far as taking it to the next level, if you had to pick one of these former Utes to take it to the, the next level, whatever that is, depending on, on, on this player, Devontae Booker, um, Marcus Williams, and Cody Barton, which one do you think uh, could have a breakout year and take it to the next level? I'm going to go with Marcus Williams. I'm, I've been high on him since he came out of college. Um, you know, he's had some up and down moments for the Saints, but he's also had – you know, those ups have been pretty high ups and he's had some nice interceptions. He's been an impact player at safety for the Saints. I just, I really like his talent. And I think that, you know, as he's grown into his position, um, I, I think that they are going to be able to rely on him more this season. Uh, Sam Farnsworth actually picked the Saints to make it to the Super Bowl and win it this season. And so I think that, you know, Marcus Williams could be a key contributor for them, uh, end up being a, a star for their defense and so I would say Marcus Williams all right final thing here and then I'll cut you loose um Alex Smith how big is it not only that he even made the roster but that he could even play right now heading into this season I think it's huge that he made the 53-man roster for the Washington football team because obviously we saw the injury uh the fact that he went through you know nearly 20 surgeries on that leg uh a life threatening injury, uh, flesh-eating bacteria. I mean, if you haven't seen the Project 11 documentary that ESPN did, you need to go and watch it because yes. it was it was phenomenal. And it speaks so much to who Alex Smith is as a person. I don't know Alex Smith, you know, on a personal level. I've watched his career, you know, since he was at the University of Utah, going into the NFL with the 49ers to the Chiefs and now with Washington. But I think that it just speaks to who he is, the character of a person and the, you know, the family, the support system that he has around him to be able to fight back and, you know, to not call it quits because after that injury, you know, if, if he would have never come back, if it would have been, you know, something where he had to step away from football, nobody would have faulted him for that at all because it was such a horrific injury. But the fact that he was able to fight through what he has since November of 2018, uh, I just think that that's so, so remarkable but the fact that he was able to make the 53-man roster, I think, speaks really to, you know, his knowledge and his intellect as a player. They have two quarterbacks who, you know, saw starts last season. You've got Dwayne Haskins, who was named Washington starter for the opener. But you've also got Kyle Allen, who started a bunch of games for the Carolina Panthers last season as well, who is their backup now. But you've got Alex Smith. You know, they had the opportunity to either keep Adrian Peterson – uh, veteran running back, Pro Bowl, you know, Hall of future Hall of Famer running back, uh, who's obviously at the tail end of his career, but you know, Alex Smith is towards the end of his career as well. And it was a decision really between those two guys, you know, veteran guys at those two positions. And Alex Smith, you know, by keeping him instead of Adrian Peterson, they have an extra coach in that quarterback room, I believe. You know, I think that you know something Sam Farnsworth pointed out on this Yards After College podcast that we put out last night. He said that if any, you know, success comes to Dwayne Haskins uh, or even Kyle Allen, if he starts or plays any of this season, that that could probably be directed, you know, 
or credited that is to Alex Smith. Uh, and the fact that he's really that, you know, coach for, for these young quarterbacks in Washington's quarterback room. I hope that Alex Smith gets to play some this season. I, you know, whether it's, you know, Washington, you know, performing really well in a blowout or they're, you know, down 30 points. I hope that he's able to see the field this season. And I think that, you know, Ron Rivera will find a way to, to make that happen. I just think that it's too good of a story to not have Alex Smith step on the field this football season. But the fact that he's on the 53 man roster speaks to, you know, what a great comeback this is alone uh, without him even being the starting quarterback for Washington again. Uh, I think that he's probably going to win comeback player of the year, even if he doesn't play it down just because of his fight and the fact that he was able to make it back to the point that he's at now. But um, I would, I would expect him to to take a few snaps. I just think that that's too good of a story, but uh, we'll wait and see on that. But yeah, Alex Smith, great, great story. The fact that he was able to make the active roster, you know, speaks to who he is as a person. I, I hosted a, uh, a panel with uh, some former teammates of Alex uh, at the university of Utah and all four guys on that chat said that had they suffered that similar injury the, of what Alex had, they would have all been, been done playing football. So just as you said, it speaks to how tough he is. Yeah, no, completely. I mean, that, that leg injury was brutal. Uh, the project 11 documentary, it showed some, Fantastic documentary. some images, some video clips that I just, that leg and how it looked back then, you know, almost two years ago, it's, it's remarkable to see where he is today. All right, Kyle, tell everybody where, where they're able to find the yards after college podcast, what it is and everything you're going to be doing during this, this football season. Yeah. So the yards after college podcast, uh, we're going to have it come out every week. We're going to talk about, you know, the performances by these former local players, uh, university of Utah, uh, a school not to be mentioned for Utah fans, uh, another school not to be mentioned by Utah fans, and then some high school players that came out of the state of Utah as well. Um, but we'll have all those guys covered. Again, Weber State has some players in the NFL, Southern Utah. We'll have all of the local guys that are in the league and what they did on Sunday, uh, you know, Thursday night football, Monday night football, all of those games. Their performances are going to be recapped on the podcast every week. And then we're also going to look forward to what they're doing, uh, you know, if, in their matchups the following week. We're going to preview some games. We're going to talk about, you know, the game of the week. Uh, we're going to also talk about the big picture stories in the NFL. We're going to follow the MVP race. We're going to talk about, you know, how the obviously the Chiefs are doing, the Super Bowl champs, Patrick Mahomes. All of those types of things are going to be, you know, part of the weekly podcast. But it's going to be fun. Uh, it's going to be up on the kslsports.com podcast page. We're also going to have the podcast available shortly on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Uh, we'll tweet it out. You can also find the link on my Twitter, and you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Ireland, and then on Instagram at Kyle Ireland KSL. Guys, follow him. You know, check out the podcast. I've already listened to it. It's great stuff. He, he's going to have a bunch of people on. He's going to break down everything when it comes to the NFL. And unlike this podcast. Kyle actually has something to look forward to. And by the way, Kyle, those uh, two, two schools you were talking about, they have names. One is a team down South and one is the little brother. <laughs> hey, I, uh, I'm not here to make enemies. I'm here to make <laughs> friends. And so the Yards After College podcast, we're, we're going to focus on all the schools. We're going to talk yep. about, you know, BYU, Utah, Utah State, Weber State, Southern Utah. Um, you know, the guys that came out of high school that didn't play at any of the colleges in the state. 
you know, there's some, there's some great stories that are coming out of the state and it's amazing. You talk about the university of Utah alone, there's nearly 30 guys from the Utes that are now playing in the national football league. So there's going to be a ton of content that we're going to be able to cover. And unlike college football, where we have, you know, the PAC 12, who's not playing uh, thus far in the fall. I, I think that it's cool that the NFL is really moving forward full steam ahead. We're going to have all 32 teams playing. Uh, it's going to be hopefully, you know, status quo every single week that we don't have any hiccups with the NFL. I'm excited to see how things kick off, you know, starting on Thursday night with the chiefs and Texans, because, you know, playing amid a pandemic is pretty crazy. Uh, but I think that we're, you know, in a position now where things are moving pretty smoothly with a lot of these sports. So it'll be fun. I'm excited to talk about the season and uh, hopefully we can have you on the yards after college podcast as well. When, you know, Marcus Williams has a couple of pick sixes in a game, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd love to jump on and uh, talk about that stuff, but Kyle, I, I will just say for all, all the youth fans out there listening to this, um, don't stop listening to this podcast. Just add Kyle's podcast on top of this. I, 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 know that, I know that the Utes aren't playing, so there's not a ton for, for me to talk about as far as on the Utes beat, but there's still stuff to talk about. But definitely check out the Yards After College podcast. Kyle, it's always good to catch up with you, man. Thanks for jumping on. Hey, I appreciate it. Happy to be on. There you go. That was my guy, Kyle Ireland. Always good to catch up with him. He and I work closely together uh, with our digital sports producer roles for kslsports.com. So when I'm not doing Utah beat stuff, I write about other sports in the state of Utah and even nationally. And so Kyle is one of the, one of the guys I work closely with. Consider a friend. I'm so happy for him to be on this next venture with Yards After College podcast. He's going to do a tremendous job giving you guys the latest and greatest content when it comes to locals in the NFL. So Kyle is going to do a great job. So make sure you guys check out the Yards After College podcast. Well, that'll do it for this edition of the Crimson Corner podcast. Uh, we're going to start talking about what the Pac-12 needs to do in order to get going sooner than January 1st, as there's going to be some more things coming out. And also some college basketball news will be coming out probably within the next week about the future of when college basketball can be played. Thank you guys so much for listening. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Trevor A Sports, at Trevor Allen KSL on Instagram. You guys can follow us at KSL Sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time, you've been listening to the Crimson Corner Podcast. It's always powered by kslsports.com. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to... Give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.